Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In this episode, Tanuja Randery, Managing Director AWS Europe, Middle East and Africa, is joined by Ryanair CEO Eddie Wilson to discuss controlling your enterprise's destiny by focusing on innovation and transformation in the face of difficult times. This is Tanuja Randari, Managing Director, Europe, Middle East and Africa for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Leaders. I will be speaking with CEOs from across the EMEA region about what it takes to transform business and society, how they are leveraging data and technology to accelerate growth and innovate, and their insights on topics such as sustainability and addressing the digital skills gap. We will also be providing a glimpse into the personalities behind some of our great leaders of industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Eddie Wilson, CEO of Ryanair. Eddie joined Ryanair in 1997, a then fledgling airline with just 20 aircraft that was unheard of outside of Ireland and had yet to transform European short-haul aviation, along with the lives and travel habits of hundreds of millions of Europeans. His initial role was head of HR, But given the fluid management of the company, he quickly got involved in airport deals, ground handling, in-flight retail, and the design and launch of Ryanair.com. He was then promoted to Director of In-Flight Operations, retaining his HR brief, but taking on the day-to-day management of a workforce of thousands of in-flight personnel, along with a substantial retail program. He was appointed Chief People Officer in 2015 and CEO in 2019. And he loves to travel and in his spare time enjoys sea swimming, sailing and mountain biking. Eddie, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm going to get us started. It's been a very challenging couple of years for the world. Very recently, the Collins English Dictionary outlined 2022 as the year of perma crisis with Ukraine, with inflation, with interest rates and, you know, cost of living starting to impact. And of course, we're just coming out of the pandemic. How did you, given the very, very tough two years the airline industry in particular has been through, how did you not only weather those challenges, but actually end up transforming in a way that emerged you as the best performing major airline for the first half of 2022? Now when we have the torch shining backward, we're getting a lot of plaudits as to, you know, how visionary we were. But it seemed to us at the time to be very straightforward because we are a private company in an industry to some extent that's dominated by legacy carriers that are owned by governments. And they tend to, when they're in crisis, to have somebody to bail them out. And we knew this was going to be, this was different, something different from the previous sort of black swan events that we had, we thought it was going to last a number of weeks. Mm. It didn't. It went on and on. So what we did was we took control of our own destiny against that background, which is what we always do, because there was nobody going to come and help us in terms of a bailout. So we were always looking to when we were going to get back uh, to normal on the very first day. Um our management team never left the office. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, we had the protocols in place at that stage, but we were waiting to come back all the time. And I think that's what marked us out. And then I think a lot of other companies in our sector didn't realize the problems they were getting into by not making that decision very early. And they were waiting for other people to change that environment. And when it opened up, 
it came as a big surprise to them that they couldn't operate. So it was business as usual in a way. It was culturally driven in that we knew we had to look after ourselves. It wasn't an option for us to think that we're just going to go home. It was always about how are we going to deal with this? And I think that's what marked us out. I love the idea of saying in some ways you had to almost treat it as business as usual um, rather than stopping something and then restarting, which I think in your industry is quite a significant, let's call it barrier to getting back online. Yeah, I mean, but you've got to control your own destiny. That's just culturally how we approach any sort of problems that we would have. When I look at what was going to happen, you know, it's a regulated industry. People have to have certain qualifications. But if you stop that, um, and I've often compared it to running a a nuclear power station, Mm. once it's working and it's fine, but you power it down and try to power it back up again, that's when all the problems start. We kept the machine humming. We had very few flights. But we rotated the aircraft. We kept the aircraft. People were not flying as much, obviously. We kept all of our people on um, and we kept them current throughout that period. We weren't flying very many passengers, but the aircraft were, um, you know, an aircraft is like your car. Yes. If you don't use your car when you come back from holidays, don't ask me why one of the tires is always flat when you leave it at home. I don't know what the science is behind that, but there's always one flat tire. Uh, The same with airplanes. If you don't keep airplanes going, you get into all sorts of problems in terms of maintenance. So you got to do that, keep your people current. And then we were, when it came back, we had a fighting chance to do that. And we delivered where most of our uh, competitors failed. I really like where you pick up on this idea of controlling your destiny, keeping that machine humming. Um, What we found, you know, within Amazon is when we talk about reinventing uh, industries and and transforming yourselves and coming through the cycle, uh, you know, more powerful than, than going into that cycle. One of the things that stands out a lot for us is the culture of innovation and how the leadership team at the top of organizations sets those aggressive goals, aggressive targets, you know, paints the picture of where you want the organization to go and then inspires that culture of innovation almost on a sort of Always on. I think when you say keep that machine humming at all times, always on mindset is what's coming through to me in, uh, as I listen to you. How did you do that? How did you get the organization at large to continue to think in terms of innovation and transformation? I think some industries or um, some companies try to innovate too much without getting um, their businesses working or humming, as I say. I mean, there are five major cost lines in in our business. So we concentrate on purchasing aircraft at the right time um, so that we lock that away. We hedge fuel, not because we want to beat the market, but because we want to have predictability on our cost base. And then the other cost lines are staff, airports, air traffic control. And then we work on those efficiencies that support the model. The tapestry you have in our business is because it's a regulated industry and we have eked out competitive advantage when we shouldn't be able to do that because other companies lurch to the right or the left, whatever way you want, as they add things on, on procedures, they lose productivity. Mm. We hold the line on that and do the things that you're like, because every airline is regulated in exactly the same way. So it is disciplined management, one type of model, If that works, 
then you've got time when you've got all those long-term costs worked out, run a safe airline, you, it, it, it fits into all of those buckets. Now I've got time to innovate. Mm-hmm. If I've got time to innovate and you look at that innovation, I don't want, you know, uh, hockey stick solutions that it's all going to just work next quarter. If somebody comes along with a cost idea or a new revenue enhancing idea, how's it going to affect every seat, every flight, every day? Okay. It's not about being around the edges or doing something just because some other company is doing it. You have to have the confidence to say, we're leaders in this. Mm-hmm. Let's look around as to what we can do, but what works for Ryanair? I love it. And I love that you're picking up on two or three really important points. One is scalability, right? Because just doing something that incrementally improves a operation or a piece of an operation for a short period of time isn't the same as thinking really about scalability. Um, I think the other thing that you're bringing out loud and clear is to get your wheelhouse absolutely working before you start to think of innovating, especially in your industry, because you're right. When we get on planes, <laughs> we want to make sure we want to be comfortable that we're going to arrive at the other place. Right. And so innovation has to be within the guidelines of your regulation. How did you embrace technology within the confines of this very, very strong operational playbook and rigor to be able to continuously then simplify um, and scale and eke productivity. We weren't known for uh, technological innovation, but there were some issues that were absolutely essential to the wheelhouse that you talk Mm. about. If you look in our industry, there are 90 locations today where Reiner aircraft overnight. So in other words, people live in those locations whether it's in Sicily, whether it's in Sweden, whether it's in the Azores, whether it's in the Canary Islands, and of course you've got London, Dublin, and lots of places. So 90 of those locations where staff arrive to aircraft every day and flight people, and then those aircraft go back to those uh, destinations that night. Nobody's ever done that before. And we realize, because most airlines will have a small number of bases, we always have a quip when we talk to AWS, you know, we were in the cloud long before you guys. (laughs) That's exactly right. um, In the early 2000s, we put uh, sensors on aircraft that dialed in downloaded data through a telephone network. We still have an iteration of that system today. So every evening, Mm -hmm. every single one of the 502 aircraft currently in the Ryanair fleet download all that data to a central computer, well over a 99.9% uh, data capture rate. We are big fans of data because our scalability means that we could have grown the airline the way we did and we may grow further. We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. I want to pick up on data because um, we equally believe that it is the biggest lever to being able to help a business identify better new ways of doing things, but also address some of the very big goals we're all looking at, like sustainability. And I know that with all the work you're doing around predictive maintenance and, you know, where are your aircrafts at what point and providing your, providing this data to your pilots and also looking at your operational systems on the historical data that you've been collecting, 
that we've been working with you on uh, interesting data project uh, that has yielded what we called, I guess, coined together as the Panini predictor. Yeah. Um, can you help me understand a bit about, you know, the Panini predictor, where did that come from, why, and how does that tie to some of your sustainability-specific goals? It's a unique environment to put on a Ryanair aircraft, 189 people onto an aircraft, there will be 3,000 flights a day. And can you imagine, you've got to fill each of those. If they were tubes, filling them with people in terms of a booking system. Yeah. You know, and, and in a retail setup, you can restock. Um, you can have stuff in warehouses nearby. You can't do that. I didn't realize this, that mm. you are the largest supplier of ham and cheese sandwiches <laughs> yeah. in the app. And I also didn't realize how difficult, till we were talking mm. recently, it is to stock a trolley. Yeah. You know, and that you only have, I think you can only do it every 24 hours. And and the idea of building this algorithm that basically takes your historical data on flights, passengers. Yeah. That seat they're likely mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to book from. You know, but the biggest part of it is for us is actually getting it on board first. Correct. So that the data isn't fuzzy as to whether people will buy at that particular time of the day or not. And again, data will do that. People used to get free food on airplanes. Right. And it used to be served as hot. I mean, it is the equivalent in a retail environment of a shop assistant pushing the delving units around people, <laughs> like rather than the people going in and picking what they want. Correct. We can't restock in the air. We want to get exactly what we need on board. And you also managed, I understand, as a result of doing this, um, ending up with exactly the right number of ham and cheese paninis, yeah. right? So you're not either with a bunch of dissatisfied customers who are hungry yeah. or, frankly, with a lot of wastage. Yeah. And I understand that you were able to actually cut your yeah. waste in half, yeah. uh, as that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And again, this comes back to, you know, the algorithm will only work if you get them delivered on board for the data to be any use to you. So that comes back exactly. about having your wheelhouse in order so that you can actually rely on that data. But, like, our waste came down uh, so that when we now look at how we pair flights, as to whether you're going to have a long and a short flight, we can look at issues like that as to how we will stock that with food as well. What's next in reinventing aviation? I think what we'll see is innovation at the gates Mm -hmm. so that we know who you are before you arrive. Mm -hmm. You know, kiosk technology has been around for a long time, but a lot of it requires wiring we need stuff that goes into the cloud. We now have new kiosks that are coming in that have no screens, but you'll use your phone. Um, and that is taking up a much smaller area in the airports. So airports don't need to build big, you know, they, they can they can use more of their square footage at airports to um, uh, for passenger convenience or for uh, selling people teas and coffees or services. The pressure points of getting true security are going to be minimized in the years ahead. I think queuing at gates are going to be where bags are sized by cameras so that you don't have inconsistent service and everybody knows exactly what's going to happen. And how do you get to reinventing an industry? Like, what does it take? You've you've been through it. Hmm. Um, What does it take and what can you advise other CEOs who are going through the same process of thinking about leveraging IT, thinking about data, the culture you talked about, the talent you talked about. What is your like one or two tips on how CEOs can think about 
um, taking these deep leaps in the industry um, and transforming whilst also flying the plane. We work in a regulated industry where everybody has the same rules. And what we're able to do is that we have been able over a long period of time by being disciplined to scrape out competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. Now, that competitive advantage in, in the early days was going to secondary airports. Then it was doing, we had older aircraft at one stage. Now we've got the newest fleet and we're putting our money where our mouth is. Like we've invested 22 billion US dollars in a new aircraft fleet that will lower uh, carbon emissions, but we'll, we'll do that by lowering fuel burn. When I worked in retail in Ryanair, we spent more time throwing away potentially good ideas to keep mm -hmm. the same simple idea Correct. until we were absolutely certain to make that change. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. You know, don't grow large middle management teams, I would say. Just don't add people until you know exactly what you're doing. And now I think data has caught up with our industry now and we're embracing it. Now we're embracing that data, first with operational flight data monitoring, which you spoke about earlier, and now we can see it in aircraft optimization. I want to pick up on the keep it simple and also the experience you talk about. You know, we always talk about that there is no compression algorithm for experience. Hmm. And the fact that, you know, you've got an industry, a team that is experienced that has built a business, a foundation on which you are now innovating and that you are actually not only looking at short-term but long-term investments at the same time and balancing that, uh, but with a very simple set yeah. of rules and guidelines, especially given the regulated nature of industry and keeping all these people safe that you're flying. But I, I think that that clear and simple model also probably allows you to scale your innovation because Correct. if you did too many things, you're not going to end up you're doing that, lose, right? You're going to lose focus. So there's just certain things you've got to do and you never touch those. Ultimately, they all go into one funnel, which is cost. That cost then translates into what competitive advantage we have with our competitors. Like we've grown a compound 20% over the last, you know, 20 odd years. And it's not because we found new and interesting places to fly right. to in Europe. Some of that was there. Now, gradually, as we've grown, you know, we now have three and four flights a day at the cheapest right. price. So and scale. the competitors who are there on three times a day are down mm. to one once a day. Mm -mm. And it's been completely reversed. You just keep up that pressure. And what you do is, you don't go out and buy the aircraft when they're, when they're too expensive, which is your largest capital outlay. One last and personal question, if I may. Mm. Um, it's been really fun talking with you. What is the best tip that you ever received in your career? I think, you know, I had worked for a number of years before I joined Ryanair. And I suppose I was under the illusion that everybody else knew what they were doing. And when I went to Ryanair, uh, I worked with Michael O'Leary right from the start. And here was someone very forthright. And I remember going to investor meetings with him um, and, you know, other meetings that where there were what I thought were experts. He said, they don't necessarily know anything. You know? <laughs> like, you know, whatever it is, do it yourself, believe in yourself. And, you know, I think that has allowed us to be, we come across sometimes as a little bit cocky, but, you know, 
uh, I think that has served us well. You know, you should know your business well enough. Okay, if you don't have some expertise, you need to hire it. But believe in yourself, understand your business, and you generally have the most innovative people around you. Don't be looking outside your building. People inside know it. You just have to know who they are. I love that. I really love that. It encapsulates so much of what is also common with our DNA, you know, in terms of diving deep and really inventing and simplifying. I mean, there's so many things you referred to in our conversations today. I know that everyone listening will take a lot away from this. Thank you so much for sharing your personal story, your advice, um, all of the inventions that you are creating in the aviation industry. And thank you for flying us safely. Thank um, you, Tanisha. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights and Tanuja Randery. For more on these topics, follow Tanuja on LinkedIn and visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights. While there, be sure to learn more about AWS Exec Leaders, an invite-only global community for business and technology leaders.